Hi, everybody, and welcome to the newest edition of the Friendly Confines. Alongside Chad Gordon, I am Ryan Lieber. And Chad, we come to you from a place that we haven't been able to say in quite some time. The Cubs were in first place at one point up until the other night. But still, what a great showing these last couple of weeks where the Cubbies have been playing red hot baseball. How you doing? So good. Hottest team in baseball uh, for that stretch. I think uh, 14 of 17 wins uh, um, have not lost a series dating back to uh, eight series ago. So this is this is the right place, right time. And this is the team we thought we'd have. I'm doing great and uh, excited uh, for what is going to be kind of a tough run with very few days off. But, uh, uh, you know, the excitement around Cubby baseball is definitely on the uptick. And of course, we want to mention our seventh inning stretch conductor this week is a very special guest. Chad, I'll let you uh, talk more about him. Oh, so excited. Uh, uh, love having Lante on on the line. Lon, Lon is a longtime uh, sportscaster uh, all over central Illinois, which is really the epicenter of Cubs Cardinal Nation. Uh, one or the other, you're, you have to pick sides when you're, you're from that area. Um, he is currently at uh, ESPNCU uh, and uh, always a great time talking with Lon. And, of course, more importantly, he is a Southern Illinois University graduate. And, of course, we are always excited when we can bring our Salukis on the program. So let's start in the first inning. Of course, we mentioned it in the top of the show. The Cubs were in first place after a seven-game winning streak and polishing off the St. Louis Cardinals in a three-game sweep over the weekend at Wrigley. And, man, did the Cubs look so, so good, uh, sparked by an amazing pitching performance by Kyle Hendricks, a Maddox, if you will, yep. uh, 81 pitches to finish the game, which, I, you know, I always uh, get on my, my high horse when I talk about complete games, how upset I am that, you know, pitchers can only throw 100 pitches today, which to me is ridiculous. So to see Kyle uh, finish the game is, is remarkable. And then, of course, um, you know, the, the topper, uh, the Cubbies go out and they sweep away the Cardinals um, on Sunday and uh, take over first place uh, for a little while um, before they lose to the Marlins the next night. But, man, was it fun or what for a series in May to see the Cubs dominate against their biggest rival? I mean, it had implications, Chad. It felt like playoff baseball, even though it yeah. wasn't playoff baseball. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, and really who saw that coming? You know, when we kind of we kind of walked into the weekend, we had we had just, you know, we were hoping for a couple of winning series um and for them to to sweep uh, Seattle, sweep uh, the Cardinals and, and and all intents and purposes. I mean, the, the Cardinals came into that series as as an incredibly hot team and they um, their bats were fired up. Uh, in fact, you know, the pitching has not been the bright spot for the Cardinals, but the offense has been so overwhelmingly strong. Um, and we saw shades of that offense on Saturday. But, you know, the Cubbies team of past that just never says die and, and says, you know what, put it on. on uh, somebody steps up. And at that moment, it was Javi who stepped up after Taylor Davis stepped up. I mean, what a, that was one of my favorite games. But you're right. What Kyle did on, on Friday um, was just masterful. And that's shades of what we – remembering what we what we get from Kyle when his ball is moving and he is getting the calls on the corners um, he is as good as anybody he is a thinking pitcher he is the professor uh, and uh, and that was just a joy to watch and then Saturday was just a slaughtering slugfest so we're going to talk a lot more about that series in the conversation with Tay but uh, man what what an incredible series and really sets up the team um, in terms of swagger and just feeling really good um, 
you know, we are just a month and a half into the season. Yes, absolutely correct. So the time to put that in perspective as well. And Peyton obviously is very excited about the Cubbies. Uh, when they, Producer uh, get... Peyton in the background, fact-checking. That's right. Always. That's right. Making sure that we are on point with all of our topics. Um, well, one of the things uh, that we certainly have to discuss, and two guys that were on point in that Cardinals series and really starting to heat up, especially in this Marlins series, is Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryan. I don't think there was really any uh, concern that um, at the start of the year that Rizzo was getting off to the slow start because he usually does get off to slow starts, maybe a little more with with Bryant. But I'll tell you what, they really showed up to play. I mean, Rizzo now with nine home runs uh, leads the team with 27 RBIs. And then Chris Bryant, uh, all of a sudden turning on the power, had the grand slam, um, hit a home run against the Marlins in game one. So we're really starting to see um, these two, uh, which it should be the case. Uh, These are the two guys that if the Cubs are really going to have that spark offensively, Rizzo and Bryant are really the guys that are going to have to carry the the shoulder of the load along with Javi. So um, it it was nice to see that in the Cardinals series, and it's nice to see the carryover in uh, this first game and uh, the second game against the Marlins that these two guys – the anchors of this team are starting to show up finally. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I say this begrudgingly, um, but what I've been saying about those two guys, and I've said it on this podcast is averages are averages for a reason. I mean, unless the wheels just come completely off and, and Bryant and Rizzo are just not at the stage where the wheels are anywhere near going to be coming off. Averages tend to work themselves out. And so Bryant, uh, I, I say that averages are averages. And I don't want to say that only because you look at somebody like Jason Hayward and you go, can he sustain this? Um, or will he, you know, divert back to where he normally has been? But, uh, you know, when you look at Bryant, that's, you know, Rizzo, so I think you, you nailed it, uh, Ryan. He really is a slow starter, and, and he just looks so comfortable and dialed in at the plate. Uh, I have no concerns and no worries about him. I actually – I can project him out, uh, uh, you know, uh, scraping 30 home runs this year, a third fastest Cub to 200 home runs, which he, he joined some guys that might have some statues out front for that stat. But, you know, Bryant has been so – positive for me in the last two weeks i mean he had a game in the last week where all four of his batted balls were over 105 miles an hour off the bat and that matters because you know if you link that together with batting average balls in play um it just shows that brian's actually has been hitting the ball really well lately um and has just been unlucky with some line outs and some really well hit hard hit balls so i don't have any concerns about those guys chris is starting to look really comfortable at the plate um he's you know his power away his power up the middle his power um pulling it uh um, not a concern in the world. I think Brizzo is going to give Javi a little bit of a breather here in the next 30 days. All right. So let's move on to the third inning now. And during the time when the Cubs were 17 and five and across that seven game winning streak, the bullpen was absolutely unbelievable. I mean, obviously it was maligned in the beginning of the year. People yeah. talking about, please, somebody make a trade, get Craig Kimbrell. And then all of a sudden, Chad, it was like the bullpen just came up to play every single night. Yeah. And it, they have just been looking remarkable. However, uh, in game one against the Marlins, it was like we were back at square one. Uh, Pedro Strope, who looked so sharp, uh, unfortunately blew his second save and six chances the other night, giving up three straight runs. And then Kyle Ryan uh, just completely had a brain freeze in the middle of the game with the bases loaded. 
uh, threw the ball unexplicably to first base when he had Neil Walker in a rundown and uh, decided to just throw it to first when he had him dead to rights at home plate. Uh, excuse me, the bases were not loaded, but he still had mm. Neil Walker dead to rights. Yeah. Um, so it's that Jekyll and Hyde bullpen that we're seeing right now from the Cubs. We're either getting remarkable pitching from that pen or we're seeing what we saw in game one against the Marlins on Monday night where it, it just turned into an absolute disaster. Uh, so sometimes you just sit there and say, will the real bullpen please stand up? Because, uh, you know, if nothing less, this is what we're going to need to see, at least during the seven-game winning streak and beyond, if the Cubs are going to have any sort of success. And people aren't going to sit here and go, when do we need to make a trade for a closer? And is Strope really the answer at this point? Yeah, and, and you know, I'm less concerned. I, you know, I've seen so much more positives and and when you have a run like this this team has had, I think you're going to have just some some nights where you just go that's baseball. You know, that that just that you, it's inex, inexplicable and, and I think Ryan summed it up best when he said he just he froze. Um he, he you know, he, he knows he let the team down, but he just he absolutely froze. He said he goofed. He said it just it just for some reason his brain stopped working on that play. You know, Strope having uh, uh, two blown saves in, in six, uh, um, that is uh, that is a bit of a concern. But you know what? I still love his energy. I like him in that role. I think he's he's got the stuff and he also has the ice water in his vein. But you talked to you know, you talked about Ryan. You got got Brock in there. Um, you know, the two names that I'm really excited about and impressed by what they've been able to do so far on this team is is two malign names from last year and and if you look at their stats i think people they they come in kensler and chatwood and you you know you've got some of these fans that just they they hold their breath but check the stats guys they have been incredibly solid um in the spots that they've been used and uh i'm 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 all in on this bullpen and and uh whether or not uh, Morrow comes back, it's it's looking less and less likely we're going to see anything of him on the mound this year. Um, this is a strong unit. I just think they 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 just they. I think it's hard to be perfect all the time. Yeah, agreed on that one. All right, so let us move to the fourth inning and uh, one name in the bullpen that people uh, were happy to see back at least pitch a yes. clean inning. Yes. That being your boy CJ Edwards, love who, uh, CJ, was absolutely dominating at the AAA level in Iowa. Came back through a nice clean inning on Monday against the Marlins, and uh, listen, hopefully Edwards was able to clean up uh, his, you know, his wind up and and be able to now feel more comfortable with his delivery. Um, so far, so good. And if the Cubs are really going to be able to kind of get this bullpen straight, they got to make sure that Carl Edwards is on the straight and narrow as well, because he is certainly a guy that Joe Madden relies on for a lot of innings. And uh, obviously he is somebody that, you know, he can come in in middle relief and long relief. Uh, He has been known to possibly close. So he's certainly a guy, especially with Mike Montgomery uh, at the moment, not out, but very close to returning. Um, Carl Edwards Jr. is somebody that the Cubs are really going to need to rely on and for him to kind of get back to a comfort level where he is confident in what he's throwing and and how he's pitching because, man, the Cubs are going to need him if they're going to have any success in that bullpen. You know, you nailed it. You said it um, when he had that this, this, the struggles coming out of the spring training where they, they they told him his delivery was off, and you said you said it. They had to send him down. And from every report in Iowa, he was just toying 
with the, the, the batters down there. And so talk about a confidence booster for him. Um, you know, he has to throw strikes. That is the name of the game right now. You've got to throw strikes. You can't put people on. You can't do the, the free passes. I got to tell you, Ryan, I, I, if, if you can't get excited about the potential, and I know potential will only get you so far, of, of, a, of a C.J. Edwards that can consistently throw strikes and overpower people with his stuff. And then you throw in the, the guy that went down in his place I mean, some of those pitching performances with Dylan Maples, are you kidding me? The movement on his balls, there is an opera. We may have the guys we need in the in, 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 in Iowa and then also on the bullpen right now to get us through the long stretch. But you're right, CJ's really one of my absolute favorites. He was one of my picks to click in the preseason, and I am so excited to see that he's having – um, you know, at least one good clean inning, uh, you know, on his first time back. And I think you're going to see Madden use him and use him often um, because he's an integral part of this bullpen. All right. So let us move on now to the fifth inning and we go from the pen to the rotation. And man, have those starters really been starring? Uh, we talked yeah. about Hendricks's gem um, where he pitched the 81 pitch performance against the Cardinals in his win. And man, did he need that because Hendricks was definitely struggling in the early part of the season where he was starting games. Um, but man, Jose Quintana continues to pitch. Well, Cole Hamels is pitching great. Uh, Lester off the DL. Obviously he's always solid. I mean, he has a 1.73 ERA <laughs> entering Tuesday night's game against the Marlins. Obviously all the fingers are always pointed at Hugh Darvish um, yeah. because he is so up and down. And I think people are just kind of waiting for him to just, get more comfortable on the mound and continue to kind of find, you know, his confidence again. But man, we said it from the start. I, I mean, listen, I, I don't understand how this starting rotation is not always talked about as one of the best in baseball. You know, yeah. people always want to throw in the Houston Astros or, you know, they want to talk about the Dodgers or whatnot. I, I really, or the Cleveland Indians. Yeah. I cannot understand for the life of me, how the Cubs starting rotation is not mentioned in the same sentences with the other teams that I just talked about, considering the guys that are just so phenomenal day in and day out on the mound. I can't figure it out. I don't know if you have anything that you can think of, but for me, this is the best rotation in baseball. In my opinion, I mean, they are just as good, if not better than the Astros or the Indians or the Dodgers, as far as I'm concerned. When you win 14 of, uh, of 17 and you, you don't lose a, a seven straight series, you are the best uh, rotation in baseball. Statistically, you know, I don't think it matters. Do they get the job done? What I found interesting about how you set this up, Ryan, is I feel like we're going to be having – we could just re-rack and roll this in uh, this inning every week until you, Darvish, gets it together uh, because every – you know, the consistency is there. The other ones know their role. They know where they're supposed to um, to fit into the whole process, how big John Lester continues to do what he does. Quintana really turning the corner from a career perspective. Hamill's obviously showing he's got stuff to be incredibly special. Um, and then Cole Hamill's, which, which people – how, how many times are fans going to say the Cubs didn't make a move this year? The Cubs made a hell of a move this year in exercising his option, and and it might very well be the most important and the biggest pitching free agent free agent. I know it's not a free agent, but the biggest signing in the offseason in all of baseball. And the Cubs did that, spending twenty some million dollars to bring Cole in. You know, here's what I'll say about you, Darvish, and I'll make it quick. I'll just say. 
you know, when he, he came out of the lineup uh, after, you know, having another rough outing and couldn't get it done, um, he had mentioned to Javi Baez, I know you saw this story, he mentioned to Javi, he said, I just feel so bad I let you guys down. And Javi said, I got you, buddy, which I love the swagger of the Javi Baez story right there. But what it means to me is, again, you see the emotion. He wants to be successful. Um, there has to be a part of him that, you know, you get that big, huge contract. How many times have we seen it where guys press um, or they, they have a letdown? I don't think he has a letdown. I think he's trying so flipping hard and it just gets in trouble. But my gosh, you please. I know you're probably listening to the podcast, but please stop <laughs> pitching around the pitcher. Please stop wasting seven pitchers and pitches on the pitcher, especially. We've seen that way too many times. But otherwise, I, I think, as I've said before, he turns it around. This pitching staff is going to be absolutely invincible. Yeah. Hugh Darvish, loyal listener to the Friendly Confines podcast. <laughs> hey, until we hear otherwise. I'm, I'll go with it, too. I hey, no Hugh. No problem with that. What's up, you? No problem with that. Uh, sixth inning now. And, uh, Chad, I know we're getting close to about a quarter of the season and uh, with with that being said, uh, I love looking to see where the Cubs stand as it relates to being one of the top, if not the top team in the National League. Um, when I look at the National League right now, obviously uh, the Cubs are, are right there when it comes to being the best team in the National League. But are they the best team in the NL? Um, you know, certainly when run differential, they're top. I mean, they are plus 50 entering uh, Tuesday's game against the Marlins. However, are they the best team right now in the National League? I still, it's those pesky Dodgers, man. They are just, I'll tell you, just when I thought their pitching staff was amazing, their offense is even better. I mean, here they trade Yasiel Puig and Matt Kemp in the offseason, and they're actually better offensively than they were last year. Um, I mean, Cody Bellinger, who's the right now the early leading candidate for MVP in the National yeah. League. I mean, he had a month like no one else before. Um, he's, he's right now hitting over 400 uh, with, you know, 14 homers or whatnot. But, uh, man, the Dodgers are a good team. I would say right now, though, be, besides the Dodgers, for my money, the Cubs are probably the second best team in, in the National League right now. Is, is that where you would probably have them at the moment? Uh, no, I, I I disagree, and I will pick apart two parts of that. Matt Kemp, out of baseball, just got released. I don't think he's been picked up yet. Yep. And then Yasiel Puig has been hot garbage for the Reds. So maybe they knew something we didn't know. Here's a fun story about Cody Bellinger, even though this is not what the topic's about. You know, he didn't get the start in the first two games of the World Series because the Dodgers didn't like the splits on him. So dumb. And what they said, well, no, what they and his splits weren't very strong. But what I love about this redemption story is he worked on all of the holes in his his swing and look what happened so it just shows that you know um what an amazing turnaround he is without a doubt one of the most exciting players in baseball here's why here's why i think you're wrong ryan the dodgers and the cubs played just a few weeks ago or a week and a half ago and the cubs won that series and so yep. the cubs stood toe-to-toe with them the cubs stood toe-to-toe with the, the top of the national league central and 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 honestly put them down without really any um any fanfare uh this is a team uh and seattle was super hot well not anymore but super hot and before the cubs swept them as well yep. i've got the cubs as the class of the national league can we put them up in the american league just yet i don't think so and if my math is 
is right. Uh, the projections are somewhere between 96 to 99 wins. So projecting higher than last year for this Cubs team, if they can hold on even after that two and two and seven start. Well, it's that time again where we're going to start off with the seventh inning stretch, and we are joined this week by special guest conductor Lante, co-host of the Tay and Carp Show, uh, weekdays at 4 to 6 p.m. Central on ESPN 93.5, ESPNCU.com, and streaming on the WSJK app. Lante, welcome to the Friendly Confines. Chad, thank you, buddy. I'm excited to join your program. It sounds like you guys, you and Ryan, are doing some excellent stuff with this, and I'm honored the fact that you would want me to be on this. So thank you very much. Well, we, you know, we, we, we're, we're getting really lucky with having fabulous guests like you guys. We've got a really dedicated audience. When uh, they, they had the big series towards the end of the year last year, we had Gary Miller on. You know, Gary's also a oh. Southern Illinois Saluki, a former co-host of, the, of, uh, of Baseball Tonight. He's the sports director in, in Cincinnati. So it's always good. You are a, 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 you're a, you're a lifelong Cardinal fan, which I can appreciate. So I won't hold that against you. But it's good to have your perspective as well, um, especially after the series that we just had. So let's, let's talk Cubs Cardinals. How's that sound? Yeah, yeah, and and by the way, I'm uh, I'm not lost on the fact that it seems that you did have me on right after a sweep. So I really appreciate the timing of this, Jeff. <laughs> well, I appreciate you coming on and being brave. So let's talk about that. The Cardinals go into the weekend two and a half games up. They look like the class of the National League. Uh, three games later, the Cubs lead the division and really seem to come away with a bit of a swagger. What do you think happened to the Cards? Well, that's a good, it's a great question. And I'll tell you what, these, this Cubs team is finding its footing, right? I think, I think we could both agree that at the start of the season, what happened, right? That, that was almost more mysterious. Uh, well, much more mysterious than watching what the Cubs were able to do this weekend, because I think this team is the best team in the division. I've said that on my program. Yes, I like what the Cardinals have done. Yes, I've seen the Brewers now 10 times already, enough with them. And I understand what they can do, and I think they're going to get back on footing too. But I still think this is the Cubs' division to uh, to lose, and and certainly bringing the Cardinals in um, at, at a time when and this there's no excuses for me, none. But it was it was a good little time for the Cubs to bring the Cardinals in, finish in a four game set in Washington. They've been on the road a lot, and and they just came in, and and Kyle Hendricks kind of set the stage with his dominating performance, and then the offense just took over from there for the Cubs. So, I, you know what? I think they just literally just said, hey, we're the best team in this division, and we're going to show you for the next three days, and you're going to have to go back home and figure out what to do next to beat us. Yeah, you mentioned it. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about your team here and there, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about this Cubs lineup from your outsider's perspective. I, I, I've been telling people, you know, it, I don't think it mattered who – that Kyle Hendricks was facing on Friday. That 81-pitch performance, that was something mm. to behold. Do you think any team would have had a chance against him? Not at all. Not at all. Because, you know, it was the double-edged sword, Chad, where the Cardinals knew that Hendricks was hitting strikes, right? I mean, he was he was hitting the corners. He was throwing strikes early. So it's one of those where do you want to live the whole game behind in the count? And, and you know, like, professional hitters are, are – they're professional hitters for a reason, right? They're the best at what they do. But when you give a pitcher an 0-1 count or an 0-2 count, now the pitcher's in total control. And and so you're a Cardinals hitter, and you're like, all right, well, he's getting ahead of us, 
so we need to swing early. But then all they were doing then is swinging early and making outs, and the next thing you know, it's the seventh inning, and he's thrown 50 pitches or whatever. And, and it's just it was just one of those where, you, you know, pitchers are great. We've seen a lot of, of great uh, performances from pitchers. But to watch Hendricks just absolutely school the Cardinals like that, I really think it did set the tone for that series. He was incredible. And, he, and he's a kid, of course, as a Cardinal fan, I'm like, wait, how are you one and four? Like who who have you lost to, and then you look like this? <laughs> but but certainly he had everything working that day. Yeah, I mean, I I, I said he pitched a Maddox against the Cardinals, I and mean, he just absolutely looked old school and in Greg Maddox's kind of form. So I noticed as well you uh, you provided a kind of a hand clap applause uh, emoji on Twitter. You could follow Lon at at Lon Tay ESPNCU. So let's talk about the Saturday game now. I, what what I have appreciated about this Cubs team that I hadn't seen in the last couple of seasons. Um, I saw it in Seattle in person on Tuesday night. I was up uh, seeing the Cubs play the Seattle last week uh, um, where they, they battled back. They didn't give in. That Saturday game, uh, that mm. was one that I think, okay, this is going to even out the series. The Cardinals have this one. But the team, um, through some incredible heroics by, by Taylor Davis, the, the backup catcher that most people didn't even know the name of, and then again, Javi coming in and just swatting something that was at eye level um, deep up the right field stance. They, didn't, they did not give in at all. You at some point you felt comfortable on Saturday, right? I, well, I, I never feel comfortable at Wrigley Field, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, I've I've dealt with that for too too many years of my life, right? The Bruce Souter uh, Ryan Sandberg game when it seemed like the Cardinals had that game won eighteen times when I was like twelve years old. But you know, you, you did though think that the Cardinals were rolling, yeah. and and certainly, you know, Schilt makes the move to walk uh, um, Schwarber, right, and and. Here comes Taylor Davis, and, and it's like, are you kidding me? And, and the funny story from that day is a bunch of us here in my little town that I live in now in Philo, we had all gathered at the local uh, watering hole and we're watching the game, and they showed, they showed the defensive alignment for the Cubs before the game. And, and I, the first thing I spotted just immediately was Taylor Davis. And I'm like, uh-oh, the backup catcher's uh, in for the Cubs. Watch him do something special. And then about an hour later, I'm sitting there punching myself going, why'd you jinx us? But certainly, that was one of those games where, you, as a Cardinals fan, you're like, all right, we got completely dominated against uh, Hendricks. You know, you were just getting in from a long rain delay off the road in Washington. Let's just take the loss Friday. Let's move on. Let's get this series evened up today, and then let's go for broke on Sunday. But there again, Davis does his thing, and then Javi Baez, holy cow. I know, I'm not sure I would trade him for anybody in baseball. I know Mike Trout is unbelievable. But Javi Baez is just one of those guys that when he hit that home run, I, as I watched it happen, I was like, well, yep, that makes sense. And, <laughs> and so then you just kind of felt that, that gloom and doom of, uh-oh, we're going to lose this game. So it was an incredible comeback by the Cubs and an incredible series. I just think this is a team that is the best in the division, and I think they sent out a strong uh, message to the Cardinals this weekend. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Cardinals, and, and we've talked about Twitter a little bit. And it, it's not always the most incredible rep- representation of, of, of America, but, you know, there's, there's bits and pieces of it that, uh, that are interesting. And it erupted over the weekend when Dexter Fowler, who seemingly threw his body out on the line trying to, to catch a ball uh, in the air, a line drive, it got past him, led to a triple, and, and, and it is not the first time that the Cardinals' Twitter has been all over him. 
And I just have to ask you, as somebody that 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 no matter what he does for the rest of his career, is always going to love Dexter Fowler because he what he did for for um, the, the Cubs team. Um, why do you think that Cardinal fans have such an issue, and do you think they're ever going to an ex- going to accept him as a true Cardinal? Uh, the last question to that first is no. I honestly don't, and it's unfortunate because Dexter is a professional, right? He's a great guy in the clubhouse. Um, when he's rolling, obviously you can see how talented he is. I think there's a little bit of that, you know, he, he achieved that success with the Cubs and then it's, and, and you don't, you don't see that often, right? With two teams like the Cardinals and Cubs where all of a sudden you had a guy in Dexter Fowler when he was in the pinstripes, you know, with the Cubbies, you're like, you just hated him. And then all of a sudden we've got him and you're kind of like, okay, um, how do we handle this? Well, then he has a, you know, a decent first year and then last year, you know, even, even he said he was battling depression. He was so bad. I mean, imagine being that bad at your job for, you know, six months a year. And, and he was horrible. And Cardinals fans were relentless on him because there's a few things in here. There's some, there's some hidden background here, Chad, with regards to the Cardinals have always been the team, right? You guys have always been chasing the Cardinals. Now all of a sudden it's completely different and it's almost like we needed someone to blame for this. And, and I feel like it all, it, it all fell on Dexter Fowler. And, and while he's having a pretty good year this year, obviously I just think little things like that that happened this weekend where he misses that ball, Cardinals fans immediately are like, oh, you know, we're, 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 it's, a, it's a salary we can't get rid of, and we're stuck with him, even though he was exactly what the Cardinals needed when they uh, signed him a couple of years ago. And, and uh, I, I, I believe that it's, it's going to take him raising a World Series trophy in, in a Cardinals jersey where he has some heroics yes. for that to be wiped away. So here's something a lot of our listeners probably don't know. No, Lon and I are both from the same small central Illinois high school, Villagrove High School. We actually went to the same college as well. Lon had a little bit of a role because I knew I wanted to go into this business. And, and he, he actually was a little older than me. Actually, I think you're a lot older than me. I don't want to age you or anything like that. But you're an older man. <laughs> Um, but, uh, but here's the cool thing about our small town. And and I think you'd agree. You could probably split a line right down main street and have half the town be on one side, half town, the other Cardinals or Cubs fans. It's, it's a very unique place to live where you're so evenly divided. What is it that makes it so special to you, this rivalry? You know, that's, that's a great point. And, and, and it truly is. And people that, maybe listen to your show that are in Chicago, they don't really understand that. And people that would be in St. Louis don't understand that. You almost have to be from a town like Villa Grove to realize that you can be good friends with somebody and then hate them for three hours and then right back to being good friends again. I mean, it's, it literally can happen. And one of my and your dear friends, Ryan Riddle, bless his heart, when the Cubs back in the day when I lived in Villa Grove, when the Cubs would win a game, uh, over the Cardinals, about 2 a.m., my phone would be ringing. And this is back before, I guess we had cell phones, but we still had answering machines. You know, that's how old I am, by the way. I'm dating now myself. And sure enough, the phone would be ringing, and, and I, I would just wait. I'd wait for the answering machine to go off, and then I'd hear the, go, Cubs, go. <laughs> I was like, I'm telling you what, boys. But, you know, it's truly, and, and Chad, I mean this when I say this. I hate the Cubs. So I don't hate someone like you because you like the Cubs, but for three hours, I don't need to hear from you. Right. <laughs> I, I'm really, I have no, no issue or no interest in talking to a Cubs fan during a Cubs Cardinals game. I, I don't, I just, 
and, and it's easier for me just to keep my distance. And when the game's over, then guess what? I like Chad Gordon again. <laughs> We've got time for just a couple more questions. And so yeah. I would love from your outside look, looking in, you've, you've said the, the Cubs are the class of the division. When you think about it, and you had a really up-close look at it the last three games, what impresses you most about this Cubs team? What's amazing to me is that Chris Bryant isn't what he was two years ago yet. He's going to get back there, right? Mm-hmm. And th- when that happens, oh, my goodness, right? And, and I love Rizzo. Uh, he's a guy that, of course, has done well with the Cardinals, but, you know, he's just that solid veteran that you, that every team needs. And, you know, of course, Javi Baez, I, I'm not sure I would trade him for anybody in baseball. And now I, I will say this. I'm, I'm not sure the starting pitching scares me to the point of I, you know, you get into a, a postseason and all of a sudden it's like, well, we're rolling out these three, you know, where I'd be like, eh, I'm not sure on that. But a guy like John Lester, how many big performances has he had in the postseason? So I think once you can, once you get that um, that that offense rolling like it is, I think it is just that good. Plus defensively, it's a good team. So I mean, there's there's so much I'm impressed with, Chad, about this Cubs team. We haven't talked about the Brewers. We haven't talked about the Reds or the Pirates. This is arguably the the toughest division in all of baseball. Oh. How do you see? the NL Central shaping up. And, and I do like to remind everybody, we're feeling pretty good, uh, half a game up uh, in the division. It's May 6th. So there's a lot of time left, uh, at least May 6th, when we <laughs> recorded this. So how do you see the division shaping up? Because uh, that team from up north, they are stacked. They are set. I still think it's the Cubs to win. Um, and I do think the Cardinals are the second-best team. That's after watching the Brewers pound us how many times. I mean, the Cardinals have already played Milwaukee 10 times. And, and I do, and I, this isn't just giving grief, but I do think the Cardinals schedule to date has certainly been a little bit tougher than the Cubbies, especially playing Milwaukee 10 times. Uh, and of course, having to play at Wrigley and four games at Washington, et cetera. We both did well against the Dodgers. I think Milwaukee will be there, but I don't know that they have the pitching to win this division. I think the Cubs win the division. I, and I, I, I could easily see the Cardinals and Brewers in that wild card game because I think those three teams are good enough to come out and be in the postseason. Shades of 2015, that uh, that amazing year. I won't mention what happened at the very end of the Cardinals <laughs> that year, but I'll just say the tide has turned a little bit since then. Uh, yes, it has, and that's not a good feeling, Chad. For most of my life, that hasn't been that way. Yeah. So I'm just gonna I'm gonna tell you, I'm you know I'm an older man now, so I'm that angry guy to get off my yard. And the fact that the Cubs are pretty good is not fun. Well, I'm not going to get off your yard, but I am going to tell you, you have done a great job. Thank you so much. You're now a friend of the show. We'd love to have you back on after other Cardinal Series, Lon. And I'm sure they're not always going to be this way, although that would be something else, wouldn't it, if we swept you every time? Well, no, 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 no. I, I No, I don't need any of that. I don't need any more stress. I, first of all, I got my blues in the playoffs now, so the last thing I need are the Cubbies just beating the Cardinals every time. So, no, we don't need that. Hey, but thank you so much, Chad, for letting me be on. This was fun. And go Cardinals. I love it. I'll give you that last word so you can listen to Lante every single weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. Central, ESPN 93.5, ESPNCU.com, um, co-host of the Tay and Carp Show. Uh, Lon, thanks for being a part of the 17 Stretch. Thank you, buddy. Uh, we are ready for the eighth inning, but first, want to thank our special guest, Lante, 
um, from ESPN CU. Um, longtime friend. I've known Lon uh, almost my entire life. Uh, what a what a great guy. Great energy, and and obviously um, had a good uh, was 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 playing ball with us, uh, as, especially after that rough Cardinal series. One other thing I want to mention. Uh, Ryan, he mentioned um, a good friend of ours, Ryan Riddle, um, in that uh, in our interview, and I, I, I hesitated to say anything, but Ryan is a friend of, of ours that was uh, that was actually taken way too soon. Was was uh, it's an unsolved murder, and it's it's really been a oh. very sad story. But he was just. Uh, was just an incredible and gregarious and just a loving guy and a, and a huge Cubs fan. And, uh, ah, and so it just really got me thinking about Ryan and, uh, um, and uh, just thinking about him, but it was, it was great to talk to Lon. Um, you can follow him on Twitter at Lon Tay ESPN CU. Um, that's again, Lon Tay. Uh, I'm sorry, at Lante ESPN CU. Uh, you can obviously follow Ryan at Ryan D. Lieber, at Ryan D. Lieber. And you can follow me at, at Cubs Confines. And make sure you as well, um, if you haven't already, make sure you uh, go to Facebook and join the Chicago Cubs Friendly Confines uh uh, headquarters uh, uh, and and uh, it's a great community on Facebook. Uh, we will share these podcasts. We have original writing on there. It's a great place to get Cubs tickets. We have giveaways, fun things like that. So, awesome. what do you think? Uh, I mean, it, you know, what's your what? What do you think about about Lon? Isn't he just he's just such great energy? Always so gracious. Oh yeah, no, it's it's always great to catch up with Lon. And I mean, I remember him when I was in college as well. He was you know, already had graduated and he was on one of the local TV stations in our area. So I used to watch him and um, he he just always, the thing with Lon, I always just love about him is anytime you ask him to come on a program or to be a part of something, he, he's always so grateful and so appreciative and he couldn't be nicer. So I'm glad we got an opportunity to catch up with him. And as I said, at the top of the program, Always great to catch up with uh, some SIU Salukis. Uh, we always are partial to our uh, Saluki brethren uh, whenever we can get them on the program. So with that being said, let's move on to the eighth inning. And we kind of alluded to it a little bit in the top of the show when it came to the bullpen chat as far as trades go. Um, you know, right now, I'm sure that the OFC is kind of just assessing everything. And it's a little too early, of course, for the trade deadline. But I guess the question continues to be asked is how much longer can the Cubs go without making a move to improve this bullpen? And then the other part of the equation is who do you give up? Um, I know there was a lot of talk about Mike Montgomery being maybe a guy you would potentially trade. But at the same time, Montgomery is a guy who the Cubs kind of need because he can spot start. He comes out of the pen. He's really a guy that, you know, has so many facets to uh, what he brings to the table for this team. So I don't know. It's it's going to be an interesting situation to see the cards that Theo plays if and when the Cubs need to make a move. Because I think we can both agree the Cubs will make a move. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's just And it's also a matter of who they're going to uh, trade to make and bolster the bullpen or the offense uh, for that matter. Because we have seen that every year that this team has been in existence with the current front office. So I, I don't have any qualms about if they're going to make the move. It's it's really when and who they're going to trade to make those moves. I have been studying the roster. I've been looking at, you know, at that, that that's the question. I'm not so much going to address the, what should they go after? Who, who should they get? I've been looking at the roster to say who, who are those movable pieces and, 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 
you know what? If you love this Cubs team, none of the names I'm going to say are, are going to make you happy. They really aren't. And, and and there's only a few that really make any sense. I think you hit, hit the nail on the head, Ryan. I mean, Mike Montgomery, I think, is untradeable. Actually, you didn't say that, but I believe he's untradeable. When he comes back, and keep in mind, he's not throwing one pitch in the bigs um, this year, uh, he changes the dynamic of this bullpen. He is that long relief guy. He's that spot starter. He's also the hero of Game 7. So, you know, if they were able to um, stretch his arm out and people were able to bring him in as a starter, I think that's where the value um, really comes into play because to trade him and get another reliever, I don't think makes any sense. So he's not on my board for trading. But here are the names that are on my board for trading. And the reason I'm going to share these names is because whether you like it or not, and we're not going to get into the emotions and the and the politics and the dynamics of this, but when Addison Russell comes back from Iowa, and guys, he's going to be coming back from Iowa there are some players that are a little bit more expendable. And so the first name I see on the list and the first name that is going to shock people is David Bodie. He has played himself into, um, I wouldn't say a, a superstar, but he is, he's above average player that has an opportunity to play at third, um, play at second base, probably could play first base as well. Um, obviously has ice water in his veins. Just found out this week that he broke his foot in the opening series and he's had all the heroics and played all the games, not his foot rather, but his little toe on one of his feet. Um, and, and he has played with just, he, he, he's been absolutely incredible. So he's one name. Ian Happ is another name, but the way he's performed right now only making about twelve hundred dollars a week uh uh in i'm sorry uh in in iowa he's he is just not putting himself in a position to have any value um he's not playing himself back into the uh the baseball at any time and then the other name which is again horrifying to think about kyle schwarber um and he's been getting a lot of looks he's been getting looks at both when, when pitchers are coming in at both sides of the plate so i think you know those are the names that could attract a bigger name and bring somebody um into the pen of some regard but i mean who would you give up in that crew i there's not really any that you want to but at a certain point a trade when you're out of prospects that are that are you know all over the the prospect lit wire um you know the top 10 we don't have those guys anymore you got to get somebody from the big league club yeah i mean the one guy i don't get rid of out of those three is Bodie, as far as i'm yeah. concerned um i think i'm i'm fine trading schwarber or ian um ian's hitting the cover off the ball in triple a right now but is he kind of one of those like four a guys where he like mm. dominates yeah. at the three you know the triple a level but just not good enough to play in the majors kind of thing um, I've never had a problem with this team trading Schwarber. I know everybody else at the Cubs front office, and they're the ones that matter. They yeah. are just so loyal and and just steadfast in not letting Kyle Schwarber go to another team. Um, yeah. And and I mean, I think at some point, I understand that his value is not as high as it once was, but at some point, you got to sit there and go, listen, he's he's he, is he? How much of a liability is he? You know, like he's. He's got great power and and he can hit the ball at times, but defensively he's been a liability and he doesn't hit for average. So yeah, I mean, I think out of those three, I, I think Bodie for me is the guy you hang on to. One that. one quick rebuttal, if I may, because I think this is a really interesting topic, and I'll say because of what you just said, I don't think Schwarber has the market value. Right. And the thing about David Bodie, again, where does he play when Addison Russell comes back in second base and shortstopper? filled full time and you've got you know uh you've got Bryant you know you're going to move him to left field I guess you could do that the reason Bodie I think makes the most sense is there's that whole premise you know strike when the iron's hot and with David Bodie right now locked into a very favorable contract 
iron is very hot for him. Yeah, I mean, listen, I think Daniel Descalso is the other guy that maybe you hold on to Bodie and you trade him too. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see how that, uh, of course, plays out. All right, yeah. So ninth inning now, and let's talk about the week ahead. The Cubs uh, playing the Marlins uh, this week. They lost the first game. Uh, playing the second game. It's a four-game set, so big series against the, I can't believe I'm saying this, last place Miami Marlins. <laughs> but um, needless to say, they lost uh, in a really just a terrible fashion in game one. So important for the Cubs to really dominate against the teams that they should be dominating against because the Milwaukee Brewers, the hated Milwaukee Brewers, I never <laughs> thought I'd see the day where I say that, come to town to face the Cubs this weekend in Wrigley and uh, man, the last time we saw the Brewers, uh, they had wrapped up the NL Central, uh, the uh, game 163. So certainly still a bad taste in the mouths of us and the rest of uh, Wrigley Nation as the uh, uh, Christian Yelich led Brewers uh, come in to Wrigley. So such a huge series for the yeah. Cubs, you know, the Cardinals leave and then the Brewers come right in. So no rest here uh, in between with the, the Marlins and the Brewers. Yeah, you know, I mean, the, the, this Marlins series is obviously it just has all the makings of, of kind of a letdown series where, where it's just, you know, it you're playing down to the competition. And, and, and you know, it, it's but it's good, though. This is a team that, that was in single digits and wins before they came into Wrigley, before they got the, the win on Monday night, which was, I think, a fluke. Um, it is. It, it You know, all that matters right now is consistent baseball, win series. And and this is a different team um, that, the you know, that, that it's going to come in. This is the Cubs are a different team than the team that, uh, that played the Brewers about a month ago. And keep in mind, the last time the Cubs lost a series was when... And they lost two of three in Milwaukee um, the very first weekend of April. And so um, a lot has changed in that time. And uh, I, I, I'm excited about this series coming up because and not to overlook what's going on with the Marlins, but this is a series where people can kind of <laughs> both teams put out their best lineups and, and we can let it rip. This is this is as exciting as it gets for baseball in May. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right about that. It's given us something to get excited about uh, here early on in the season, especially after the slow start this team had. All right, well, that is going to wrap things up on this edition of the Friendly Confines. Once again, for Chad, I'm Ryan. We appreciate, as always, for everyone tuning in and listening. We will talk to you next week from the Friendly Confines. See you at the ballpark, everybody. Don't let anyone say that it's just a game. For I've seen other teams and it's never the same When you're born in Chicago, you're blessed and you're a field The first time you walk into Wrigley